What up, y'all? Scene Setters in Denver Sports, episode two of the podcast. What up, Derek? Not much. I don't know why I said that. Uh... <laughs> 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 um, I'll use all the mojo on the first we, we were so good. All right, lights, camera, <laughs> action. What up, y'all? It is Scene Setters in Denver Sports, episode two coming at you. What up, Derek? Uh... Nice weather, finally. Yeah, besides the brown cloud hanging over us, but it's um, one of the staples of living in Denver, Colorado. First up on the docket, our Denver second place in the West Nuggets. Um, We just got above freezing, but right now they're feeling a little bit cold, aren't they? They really are. I mean, they had that great win against Oklahoma City a little over a week ago, and it looked like they could compete with anybody in the Western Conference, and then they've just had three bad losses. Yeah. Three bad losses against three different Western Conference teams at varying degrees of, like, good. Um, all competitive, but none should have beat the Nuggets. And the Nuggets followed, like, the same script in all three games, which was weird. They had, like, really bad lapses where they'd have quarters where they'd score no points or they'd give up a ton of points. And then they'd sort of fight their way back through the game. Jokic struggled a lot with foul trouble in a couple of those games. Um, And it was weird how similar they were. It was like the Nuggets were running the same script. And they got closer each time to winning, but it's not a formula to win ever. No, not at all. Especially with two of those being on the home court. um, Where, I mean, the team has been an offensive juggernaut all season. And then they, yeah, they just have this lapses usually with the second unit where everyone goes cold. But it looked like their chemistry was off. You would not look at that team as being the same team that beat the Raptors twice, beat OKC three times. And it's just kind of like a flip of the switch. I think Utah especially, such a good defensive team, really like knocked them off of their vibe and... They fall off at some point during the game, the last three games, and then they fight back, which shows like, oh, you probably could have won yeah. had you not just failed to execute for almost the entire quarter. Well, and they seem to be, any adversity seems to be getting in their way. Like, the Utah game was terribly officiated. It was a poorly officiated game from all, like, they just weren't consistent on calling things the same way. But I feel like earlier in the year that wouldn't have bothered the Nuggets, and now it's in their head. Like, they're thinking about these things. It's like, they're finally healthy. Basically, everyone who we think is going to play is playing now. And it's like, now we we want things to go our way because of that, and that doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, and that's, like, the adversity earlier in the season was kind of what propelled them. The fact that, oh, yeah, we may have two or three of our starters out. Um, we're on back-to-backs, and... That's what like kind of gave them the edge, mm-hmm. but now, yeah, they might be a little comfortable, a little too confident. Um, still, I don't. I feel like this team is so frustrating because they'll take those like spot up threes with twenty seconds left on the clock, um, and that's just not a formula for success. But whereas they felt earlier in the season those fall, uh, shots would fall, they're not now. And kind of, I think it's decisions are playing them out of games as opposed to them getting beat by the other team a lot of the time. Yeah, and I mean, I think after one of those games, they said, you know, we were trying to play one-on-one hero ball, which is never their best. We've talked about this before. Their best offense has a lot of passing and a lot of movement, and they sort of got away from that a little bit. I think there are a couple reasons for that. They have too many point guards, which means that everyone's trying to touch the ball. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I also think they're just, they've lost a little bit of their dynamicism with the lack of youth. Like they've added more older players. It's sort of like they know too well to play that way, but they need to get back to playing that kind of basketball. Yeah. And I kind of feel that every statement we've made can be directed at one single player um, who has been added recently. Um, the dynamic Isaiah Thomas, um, back from injury for, I think, the last 10 games or so. Yeah, and I think really the last five where he's had a, had a big role. Yeah. Um, I think, and I mean, this is like the focus of Nuggets Nation right now, like what to do with Isaiah Thomas. Some people are like, just banish him. <laughs> Don't let him in the locker room anymore. And some people are like, he's the heart of the team. Like, we need him for that role. And I think we're going to sort of talk about that, but we sort of want to talk about like the roster configuration around Isaiah Thomas as much as him. Yeah. He had two good shots in that Utah game that were like vintage Isaiah Thomas, almost Allen Iverson shots where it was like, that should not, shot should not have been taken, and it went in. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't done that at all otherwise. Like, it just doesn't seem like he's playing the game that we remember from the Celtics. No. Well, it's, well, it's like, really, he's not playing that game because those shots that he's taking aren't falling the same way. Yeah. Um, and for a guy who's like 5'8 and will give up points on the defensive end, you have to make those shots to be an effective player on the floor. Um but it really then comes around, like, if he's getting minutes, who is he taking away from? And what are the best lineups to make this team the um, contender for a deep playoff run that we've seen them prove to be all season thus far? Well, and a couple things on that. First of all, the thing about Isaiah Thomas is he is not a long-term fixture in Denver if he still thinks he's going to be a star. Like, there just isn't room for him. So the Nuggets need to not worry so much about what's best for him because he's not going to be here in two years. Like, I don't, just don't see any way. The other part of that is where does he hurt you when he's on the court? And that's what I feel like instead of like how is he helping you or where is he like, like what does it mean when he's on the court? And right now it means defenders aren't afraid of him because they don't feel like he's making the shots. And on defense, he is just like a guy standing there like basically a cone. Like that's, <laughs> that's his defensive style is... You have to go around him. Other than that, you're fine. Yeah. If not, like, I'm sure there's a player or two who could probably step over him to drive to the basket. Um, But it's it's tough because he's been, when he was injured, he was like a $2 million cheerleader. And people say, like, he proved his value to the team in that role alone, that he was the first guy to high-five players out of the into the timeout and would be very vocal on the bench yelling um and you're not going to get that if you sit him down again because he's going to be pissed he's very much the reason a guy like him is in the nba is because he has so much belief in himself and has shown it over his career that he can play at a high level but coming from injury he's now i think 29 um and it just kind of looks like his step is a half step slower and for a guy playing at such a size disadvantage, you need every step to count. And if he's he's just not driving to the lane the same way, um, and then, yeah, if he's chucking up shots that you don't want him to take and they're not going in, it's really a detriment. Especially when we have... Like, we thought he was going to be a great addition before Monte Morris came in and has played like a veteran point guard. 
Yeah, I think, like, and Morris has played worse, and I'm not exactly sure why since Isaiah Thomas came back. The other thing is a hip injury when speed is your game is just so hard to come back from in general. Yeah. And we've seen that, I think, a comparison in similar ways is how long it took Varlamov to really find his game again this year for the Avalanche. Similar to the Nuggets, like, speed is how Varlamov moves around the crease. Yeah. Speed is how Isaiah gets open and makes those turns and beats defenders. And I think that maybe he's never going to be that guy again, as you were saying. Like, maybe the age is catching up to him. But even if it does, it's looking less and less like it's going to be this year. Yeah. And so then what is it that we want the Nuggets roster to look like? Like, what is the best setup? And, like, right now, their starting lineup is who they wanted to start with coming out of the offseason. It's Murray and Harris as the guards. And then you have Barton and the three, which is kind of a swing between the guard forward role and then Millsap and Jokic. Mm-hmm. And is that your best starting lineup, and is that your finishing lineup right now? I mean, like, at the beginning of the season, that was clear-cut. Yeah. Um, very clear who those starters would be, but coming back from a hip injury, Gary Harris hasn't necessarily gotten to form yet. Um, and again, like no one thought Malik Beasley would rise to being a starter for at least half the league. Yeah. Um, and is kind of playing himself out of Denver because he's going to command a contract we may not be able to pay. Um, and he, like, did a great job while Harris was out. And then, like, with Barton, signed him on for a longer term because thought, yeah, he's a smaller shooting a uh, smaller small forward, but a big shooting guard and a good energy guy when his shots are falling. But Torrey Craig, although definitely can become a liability on offense, his defense has been just great. And a team that struggles from guarding the perimeter so well, like a dog on defense is a guy that you need in the playoffs. And if he's only getting... Like, 10, 15 minutes some games because we have 35 guards on the team. Um, that kind of feels like a detriment. So, And the other thing on that, um, there was an article that came out that Barton actually asked to guard Westbrook in that Oklahoma City game that mm-hmm. they won. And so it's clear that Barton can play good defense. It's just, is he going to commit to that? And I think that that sort of put the coaching staff in a weird position where they were like, well, Barton can play defense. We don't need Craig to be in the rotation. And it, like, Barton can't do that every night. Like, he just, it's sort of like his offense. Like, it's going to come and go because he's such a, he plays by feel so much that I just see it very hard for him to lock that down. And that's where, like, having Craig in there, maybe starting so Barton can be the guy off the bench or just playing in some of those positions, like offense, defense, where he can come and help out there would be really helpful. Yeah, I think... Kind of as you described, the Dodgers have two different lineups. Yeah. Um based on the competition, the Nuggets kind of need to have a more by-committee approach to who starts games or who gets more minutes down the stretch. Um, in that, there's if you have a Paul George in the lineup, Craig is a better option most of the time. Yeah. Um, really, anybody. Cause like, I would rather Craig defend, um, like a James Harden, say, 
if Gary Harris isn't still up to speed. Because, again, he has a hip injury. And there's, in sports, I think hips and lateral movement is such a thing that's overlooked. But think about Von Miller. Like one of the reasons why he's such a great edge rusher yeah. is because he's able to turn his hips and dip so well. Um, well, in basketball, is one of the few ones where they make you practice hip stuff. There's a lot of, like, sideways movement in oh, basketball yeah. and practice that you don't get in other sports. Yeah, like the elastic band on the ankles that you yeah. just shuffle <laughs> side to side. Um, so, the, yeah, I think I'm a, the great thing about this team is that there's not a lot of ego, save <laughs> for um, Isaiah Thomas right now, who, even then, I don't know if it's ego, but it's like... Again, he succeeds because he wills himself to do it. And so um, maybe some of the talk he's talking about, especially he had a quote, I'm not here to... Pretty much, I'm here to stand out. Yeah, I'm here to stand out, not to blend in, which was the reverse of what Paul Millsap said last year when he came back. Where Millsap was like, my job is to get into this lineup as seamlessly as possible. And IT was like... I'm going to cause waves. Like, that's my, my reason for being here. And it's like, they weren't broken. And now they're, like, trying to fix themselves. But really, if they would have just played the guys they're playing more, let, I think, the injured guys sort of ease in, I think, even more than they have. Like, they may have played Harris too much. They may have played Barton too much. Mm-hmm. It may have been better for them to play that sec- those second-tier guys. Although, with Barton, the problem is that Lyles and Hernan Gomez have been so dreadful that they, Barton really had to play more. Yeah. Um, Which, oh, dude. Remember when we loved Wancho? When you looked at the roster and thinking, like, we have an embarrassment of riches. But unfortunately for Wancho, he just can't drop a shot to save his life. Yeah. Um, and it was never a big... And he's not getting rebounds either. Um, and that's like, basketball is such a mental game, too, where... I mean, you're six seven. You like mm-hmm. you have the physical skills to play, but in any given moment, you only have you get the ball for like five to ten seconds on any given possession, and you have to make the most of that. Yeah. And if it's just like pass to an outlet pass somewhere else, you can't really get in your rhythm or build your confidence taking a shot. Um, and even at this point, I kind of miss Lyles because. Um, Hernan Gomez isn't giving valuable minutes at the three or the four. And um, if you're not playing Craig and Vanderbilt, rookie who looks like he's got a lot of promise, but I understand why coach doesn't want to force him into meaningful minutes yet. Um, As deep as this team is, you still feel the holes um, if people aren't being able to step up the the way they were in say, December and January. Well, and just on the way Malone's thought about this, he's played the three guard in a, like, a lot over the last week or two where he's played Morris, IT, and Beasley all at the same time or Murray in the place of one of those guys. Mm -hmm. And it just hasn't worked. Like, they need to get back to the fundamentals of that. And that means probably playing Lyles and Hernan Gomez more, playing Craig more, just because the three guard thing... It's not going to work in that configuration, I don't think. No, well, I mean, especially if they're not moving the ball on offense, like everybody cutting, you trying to do like the Suns shooting seven seconds style, um, where you hurt the team with your smaller size, the other team with your smaller size, by driving down the court, getting shots up, um, keeping them reeling on defense, but like say Utah is a great defensive team, 
was able to bother the guards that they're not able to get those shots off or the open pass off as quickly. Um, and yeah, as you said, they they've all they've lost in similar styles and that they just had minutes where it's like, did you forget how to basketball? Um, and then they realize like, oh shit, we might lose this game. Let's start playing like we have been. But it's always come up too short and like the the last loss in San Antonio, which continues a what seven year streak? Yeah. Um, they at the in the end of the fourth quarter they started hitting every shot and really coming back, but they just ran out of time. And it, I mean, it again goes back to another concern that we've had that Murray Murray can get hot or he can just be sort of average, and we need something in between. Like Murray was hot there, he was hot, and I was mad when this happened. But in that Utah game, he got hot in the last four minutes of the second quarter, and I was like. This is the worst time for him to get hot because it's not long enough. He's going to go to the locker room and he's going to cool off. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And they need, like, what they really need is they need someone to be consistent offensively besides for Jokic. Totally. And that's just what they're missing. And I, it doesn't really matter where it comes from, but they need to know that they're getting 15 points a night from someone else. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the season, they talked about the Nuggets still don't have the go-to guy. Yeah. Um, now they have it in Jokic. But now you need someone to step up as the second guy um, who, when Jokic is getting double teamed, can kick it out to them um, and get a comparable mid-range shot. Um, I think Garris, Gary Harris, once he's fully healthy, could be that guy. Yeah. Um, but you want Murray to. But sometimes he'll, be, he'll take over the game or he'll just like disappear. And they have that with him. They have that with Beasley and they have that with Barton. And it's fine. But there are going to be games where none of them are going, and then what do you do? Like, that's the scary part. That's when IT takes the court and takes over. Um, and I think that that's, like, that's the thing that I think makes this job so hard for Malone, and I don't envy him, is that he... The team is built with guys who need to get hot, and he has to decide how much of it is letting them get hot and how much of it is using the other guy. And I think that yeah. that's where he really needs to adapt his style is... I'm going to play the starters, and then I'm going to just go through until there are people who are playing well, mm -hmm. and it's going to look different every night. And that's really hard as a coach to know that you don't have a plan. It was something Carl was really good at. He was really good at, this guy's going well, and this is when I take him out. It's why he made JaVale McGee look amazing. Yeah. He knew exactly how long to play McGee until he was going to flame out. Yeah, um, real talk. I mean, he helped make the career of J.R. Smith based on being that energy guy who can just come in and light it up and I think that Malone has gotten better Barton has been his big guy for this where Barton can kill you on a bad night yeah and he's gotten better like I don't feel like Barton's lost so many games this year but he's still like Malone's still figuring that out and it's not an easy job the unfortunate thing is they have a tough stretch coming up they have the Lakers and Golden State on the road then they have it home for Minnesota Dallas and Indiana and Minnesota Dallas you can be like those are teams that they should beat, but they're not easy teams. Mm -mm. And then they go on the road and play at Boston, who's still trying to figure themselves out. And then they have at Washington, at New York, so they have some bad teams. But that is not until March 21st. So they've got two weeks of like a pretty hard schedule, a lot of games, where they really can't lose a lot of these because they're going to fall back into that third, fourth seed yeah. if they don't continue to win. Which That third, fourth seed is becoming a real bloodbath with Houston now jumping both Portland and OKC. Um, and 
Nuggets have they've faced adversity very well, but it's been a lot easier with the three to four to five game cushion they've had over the rest of the pack. Um, and it's crazy because they're still closer to Golden State in the first seed than they are the Rockets with the third seed, but it feels super um, vulnerable right now. And, I mean, they play it at the Warriors twice more. If they win both those games, that would be huge. But I don't see them winning both. If they don't win either, they're basically out of it for the one seed, I would think. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with that. Golden State is going to Golden State, and hopefully the Nuggets don't have to see them until the conference finals, if it comes to it. Um, But, like, and don't want to see Utah at all um, in any way, shape, or form. And don't want to see Houston either. Those those are two teams. It's interesting, like, OKC can look like straight ballers against Utah and um, Houston, but then we can beat them. So the yeah. parity in the league is really cool now. Like, not even Golden State is invincible, even though most people assume they're going to coast their way through the playoffs. Well, and right now, the bottom four are... Portland, Utah, the Clippers, and the Spurs. And of those four, the Clippers are the only team the Nuggets play well. Yeah. Like, the other, are, the others are just going to be brutal matchups in the first round if they get any of them. Yeah, who's the number seven right now? The Clippers. So the Clippers. right now okay. it's perfect. If they could just stay like this, they would have the Clippers, and then they would play Houston in the second round, which I think is preferable to playing. I don't think they could win any. I'm not sure they could win any of the four, but if you had to pick of the four... At least Houston, they can play their game against Houston. Yeah. Um, it's it's just about can they limit everyone other than Harden. I have a... I think Oklahoma City just is scary with those two. And then obviously Golden State is just so deep. So we'll talk more about that in the future. But yeah. for now... They got is... a big game coming up tonight against the Lakers, which that's all I... If we have to assume that the Nuggets aren't going to do well in the playoffs, if we can just beat the Lakers tonight, I'll feel like a champion. Um, But specifically, let's put on our coaches' hats. And with a team with embarrassment of riches like the Nuggets, sometimes one of the hardest things is actually how do you configure a lineup that is going to guarantee those big wins that the Nuggets kind of almost gotten used to? Yeah, and I think we both have sort of different ideas on this. I think that right now they're starting lineup, Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. This is how they wanted to start the year. They haven't been healthy since like the third game of the year, and they've started rolling out this lineup. And the problems haven't come so much in this part of the lineup. Like, they've started the games okay for the most part, other than the Spurs game. It's been when they start adding pieces and moving pieces around, and that's sort of where things have really fallen apart. I think in part because of the starters, but in part because of the rhythm some of those guys had. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into the coming into the season and coming in as starters, I don't know how you see that. I yeah, I think the starters are can sometimes be frustrating because they don't always well. They haven't had a lot of time together yeah. <laughs> over the course of this whole season, but they don't play the way that I play them in NBA Two K, uh, which is shoot the ball, score points, and just get things running. I think they're still kind of suffering from the who is the go-to guy after Jokic now. Um, and when everyone's hot, they they can certainly put up the score very quickly on an opponent. But I think everyone still has a, too much of a pass-first mentality if it's not like pass, pass, pass for the open shot, kind of that beautiful game 
um, motif. So let's start. So if we assume that the starters are going to be Murray at the point guard, Harris at the two, Barton the swing three guard, um, small forward, and then Millsap, Jokic in the front court. You got those minutes. Who is your sixth man if that is your starting rotation? I really think that Beasley is the sixth guy for me because they have this roster right now where they have three guys who you need one of them to get hot a game, mm-hmm. and that's Murray, Barton, and Beasley. And if one of those guys is hitting threes, you're in pretty good shape. You need to know which one of those guys is going to be, and so he's the first guy that I switch in probably pretty early especially if neither uh, Murray or Barton seem to be doing well, just to sort of see what's going on there. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? I like Beasley definitely has been playing with all the six-man potential. I think still while Harris is a little bit hurt, that Harris is the guy that you bring out first um, in that he can maybe anchor the team later on in the game. Um, I I like... A setup with Murray and Beasley on the court together. I'm a big chemistry guy and like a bit of a sucker. They're good friends. I want to see good homies ball out together. Um, Barton is actually also a guy that I'm kind of like, you're so far, uh, he hasn't lost games for the Nuggets. And like sometimes Nuggets Nation has been very frustrated with him sometimes because it seems like. He'll just shoot the ball, and we don't need him to take a shot, and he can shoot us out of games. Um, I would like to see Torrey Craig get more love. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily see him as a six-man, but while Barton was out for close to 40 games, I think, this season, Craig, while always not a great offensive dude, had been a great anchor defensively. And I think as much as the Nuggets can score, that they – can also let the other team score. Yeah. And so I, right now on the roster, there's not a go-to punch you in the mouth type of guy, but Craig, I think, is a best disruptor. So if, say, the Nuggets get out to a fast start, um, switching Barton out early to put Craig on the best um, offensive player of the opponent could disrupt any chances of a comeback. Because that's been the problem. Like Basketball is a game of runs, but if you can mount a run on top of a run you can lock a game up pretty quickly. And so far in the last three games, and even in games leading up to the losing streak, they haven't been able to do that. So I want Torrey Craig back in the lineup more. And I would say Beasley is a six-man, but the 6.5 guy, I would like to see Torrey Craig in there for defense. Well, and I think for me the big change, other than Isaiah Thomas, which we'll get to in a second, is that I would like for them to get away from this idea of having a second unit. I would like for them to make changes more quickly, put guys in so that you always have starters on the floor because that was really what was going well for them when guys were hurt because they didn't have enough guys. So they didn't have a one unit and a two unit. It was like, we're going to bring people in. We're going to bring Plumlee in early for Millsap. We're going to make sure that Morris is out there with Murray sometimes or Morris is out there with Harris just so that you have that sort of just always rotating, always changing things up, way to see who's working that night, because that's really what matters, is who's playing well with who. Yeah. Um, it's hard as a coach, though. Like, that is a hard thing to not really know what your plan is going into the game. Yeah, 
And it's not preferable. But, no. I mean, I'm an improv guy. So, like, thinking on the fly is very important. And, yeah, I think a lot of basketball fans don't appreciate how tough it is to balance minutes versus who's hot versus who's struggling and then whatever matchup um, serves you best there. Um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of... Like paradoxical in that when the Nuggets were hurt, they were thriving because guys were able to step up in a way when everyone's healthy, they don't have the minutes for. But it's like Jokic isn't even averaging that many minutes per game as like now you're kind of bona fide number one guy. But yeah, I would certainly love to see him on the court with the quote unquote second unit sometimes, um, especially the Craig Beasley. Those are dudes who will cut always and um, give Jokic the ability to get those beautiful passes. Um, well, and the good thing about Morris and Jokic is you have two guys that can make that pass then. Like, you have two guys and, like, their chemistry. That was one of the great things when they played together mm-hmm. is they could pass to each other in just a pretty dynamic way that yeah. I liked. Um, I think that, that I think then you have what I think should now be the third unit guys, the Isaiah Thomas... Lyles and Hernan Gomez where you need to see if any of them are playing well like you need to give them a couple minutes but if it's not working they need to come out yeah and then I mean nowadays in the NBA small ball is a feature of a lot of teams lineups and that's one where all right give Jokic time on the bench and you know people that did not like the Plumlick lineup with Jokic and Plumlee on the floor at the same time. They're not as bad as they were last year. Um, I think they're like the plus minus with them both on the floor is in the positive. Um, but just giving, say, Jokic, maybe a small ball lineup with even Lyles and um, Millsap on the court at the same time. If you can find success there for a short period of time, that just gives you so much more ability to plug and play later on in the game. And it's tough. I mean, 82 games is a long time, but players like Wancho, who beginning of the season was great, and even he had a game-saving block against the Warriors, is now just a shell of that player. Um, but I, coach, you have to find a way to, like, he's been getting a few minutes here and there because you have to, like, give the guys a chance to break out of whatever slump. And I feel maybe for Wancho, it's more of just like a regression to the mean, which is like, he's a spot up shooter. And if he's not doing that, then he's not fitting into the roster right now. Um. Same Lyles. Lyles has a little more versatility that he can play post. He doesn't need to shoot the three. He Let him be an old-school big man. Stay in the paint, man. Um, play the game that you're good at because his sh- three shot is not falling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that that... <clears throat> like, I'm not saying that they should just shut Isaiah down, but okay. they need to get away from him being, like, one of those people. Like, they need to not in any way rely on him because it's just not no. working yet. And maybe it will. I mean, that was sort of what we were talking about before, was that he could be that guy that you really need in the playoffs. I think that with this team, the you just need to keep going through and giving the people the experience because they could have another injury. Like, the fact that they're all healthy is like an apparition with this team. Yeah. And I think that... 
they just we don't know what's going to work right now and that's a weird place to be where they're in the second seed they're battling for the first seed and trying to hold off the third and fourth seed but they don't have an identity right now other than Jokic yeah and that's why I would like nominate Murray to be the second option Mm -hmm. um because especially when the team was depleted, their two-man game was just a thing of beauty. Like, I think of that as several years ago, even like the Brian Shaw years where you're just like, I would just love our team to be exciting and good. And then you saw that in several games with Murray and Jokic. Like, wow, our guys. Our guys are doing it um, consistently and confidently. And that's where... Really what I think Coach is having to work towards is how do I get these guys confident again that when they're on the court, they know that they can make the shot and they're making the right choice, which is part of confidence too, is like being smart with the ball. And unfortunately, um, Isaiah Thomas has all the confidence, but right now he's not playing with the team in a beneficial way. Yeah. Which is tough, yeah. I don't... I, it's not the storybook way where it's like, oh, the team's struggling. Isaiah, you're up. Go in there and score some points that you need a lot more of the logistical stuff to work first. But mm, I don't want to see him. Like tonight, against the Lakers, his former team that he played maybe 20 games for at the end of last season, this seems like a game I could nominate him to go out and give us positive minutes. But... As soon as he's not giving positive minutes, it's like, all right, Morris back in the game. Yeah. Um, you don't have to play any single player outside of Jokic, so um, yeah, go to I, the hot hand. Yeah, I think go with the hot hand and just see what you have and realize that people may have been playing at a higher level because they knew the stars were out. Like They knew they had to make up for Murray. They knew that they had to make up for Millsap. They don't anymore, but they need to have that mentality because they're not going to play their best. Yeah. They're sitting back and waiting for other people to, to rise to the occasion. So the biggest sports news of the last few weeks was definitely the Rockies signing Nolan Arenado to a seven-year deal. That completely changes the landscape of how we look at the Rockies and sort of Denver sports because we have a guy who we know is going to be there at least for three years because he has an opt-out after three years, but for seven years where you can breathe and sort of say we're building around this guy instead of do we have to have two plans for if Arenado is still on the team or if Arenado leaves? So yeah. I was thrilled. Yeah, it was great news to wake up to. Um, kind of a surprise, but um, the Rockies ownership pulled out those big bucks for him, which then started the cash grab for the other two big free agents um, in uh, Machado and Bryce Harper. But it was like twenty two fifty five mil. Seven years with a three-year opt-out, which gives the Rockies three years of Nolan Arenado still very much in his prime. Um, so you know, we've got, the window has been opened up significantly. Uh, the first big question is, so the Rockies made it to the um, wild card, National League wild card last year and promptly flamed the hell out. Um, Derek, do you think the Rockies, now having Nolan locked up for a significant period of time, will be better this year than last year? I think that they should be, and there are several reasons for this. Their hitting was terrible the second half of the season, and they still managed to make the playoffs. Like, 
Nolan wasn't hitting well. Trevor went on that, like, save the team run and, like, sort of did. But mm-hmm. everyone else was just not hitting very well. Like, Blackman was down. Uh, they couldn't really figure out what was going on with anyone else. You had Desmond just weighing them down. Um, and so from that standpoint, it feels like the hitting should be better. Murphy has been pretty – Daniel Murphy, not the catcher for the Rockies, the free agent signing, has been pretty consistent, like pretty similar to LeMahieu, but maybe with a little more power. He's coming in at first base, which gives them McMahon and Hampson can sort of take that second base role, and you have two guys who hopefully will hit there. And when you think about Nolan's first year – he was so much better his second year. Story was actually really good at the beginning and then terrible his second year and then great again in his third year. Mm-hmm. But it does take some time to adjust to just the everyday grind of Major League Baseball. So hopefully they can do that. And then you have Dahl in the outfield who, when healthy, has been great. And so I think the hitting should be better. And the pitching has a little bit more depth because from all indications, and there's no way to know this, uh, the bottom half of the rotation is looking better than it did last year. So you have your three guys. Well, that's not saying a whole lot, to be fair. It is not. <laughs> uh, but you have your, you know, you got Freeland, Marquez. Freeland, Marquez, Anderson, pretty, like, firm at the top of the lineup. But then you've got options back there where Gray has apparently looked great in the offseason, even though he was just an automatic loss uh, and didn't even make the roster for postseason. Bettis has apparently looked pretty good, and then you have Sinzatella and Hoffman. So you have seven guy or seven starters who could fill those spots. And then the Rockies have listed Tinoco, who's one of the guys they got in the Tulowitzki trade, and he's sort of been like trending up. Oh, really? Maybe this is finally the time that he he sort of slots into that role. Um, so I think that from that standpoint, it looks like things should be better, and then the bullpen should be better. Like on paper, they have better options. Like, their holes, they have options to get them filled, and they don't just have one guy. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, look at, like, Scott Oberg, I think two years ago, I just decided that he was going to be my favorite player on the team. And at the end of last year, he really, especially in the Cubs' um, play-in game, really gave me the belief that I made the right choice. And so I would love to see him still trend up. Um, he's like in the middle of the roster in terms of age because um, we've got our old guys and Wade Davis and Brian freaking Shaw, um, Chris Russin. Done. Sung Wano. Like, so the Rockies have... Have the options. I think they're still going to be dogged by whether it's a myth or not. That just you can't have good pitching in Coors Field. But um, all of these dudes have been battle tested now. Um, I think that's so important uh, for pitchers, especially, is to pitch important games. Yeah. And that's like where John Gray, by all intents and purposes, could be an ace, except for he can't pitch in big games. Um, and start a downward trend of like couldn't pitch in kind of important games. Um, so I don't know, I'm just, I'm not totally psyched because I was hoping for like a big signing just to anchor the pitching rotation. But I like these are all like guys who are part of the club now. Uh, sad to see Adovino go, but it's like, go get your money, boo-boo. You're a New York dude. Um, yeah, I mean, Adovino is hard and um, LeMay, he was hard. Yeah. Because it just... 
if you said you can have Daniel Murphy or you can have LeMayhew, I think I still would have taken LeMayhew. The Rockies' hope is that this will add more power, which they need, because mm-hmm. that was one of the big problems. But the nice thing, like, looking at their depth chart, like, the other outfielders have all had major league time now. Like, Tapia, maybe this is where he's finally going to take that spot. Um, Dahl, Cuevas, um, Talkman, like, they're all guys that have played at the major league level. The same thing with your bench guys. Valenka's actually had a really good spring so far, which I'm hoping he's not the guy on the bench, but he could be the guy on the bench. And uh. then... The one guy that you don't know about is Rodgers and whether he's going to make the jump this year or if it'll be next year. He's their number one prospect. Mm -hmm. And then catching is the other position where they're just so weak that it just hurts you. It's like laughably weak. Like I know catchers are never, are very rarely like big consistent bat dudes, but (sighs) that's been a a hole for them. And Chris Iannetta, like great dude. Just very old. And, yeah, and just had a bad season last year. Like, he'd hit okay the year before for Arizona, did not hit well. Walters was, like, there was a few weeks where the Rockies didn't get a hit from their catchers for, like, three weeks. I think it was the end of the year. And then Walters' hit in the uh, wild card game mm-hmm. was, like, their first hit in, like, forever. Which and, was only, like, big because the Rockies, no one else could hit that game yeah. either. So a infield bloop felt very monumental and then murphy is the third catcher and he is your big bat guy like that's what they think he can be but he's just been hurt so much and he can't couldn't catch which is the other trade-off that you have to put in there (laughs) well i was i was about to say it's like well you don't need a lot of hits from your catchers you do need them to be able to catch um and especially like be able to frame the strike zone well for um like pitchers like John Gray who can lose their control out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so I, so you're saying the Rockies uh, Rockies won 92 games last year. You're and like also the um, NL West didn't get like demonstrably better. Yeah. Either. So more importantly, besides the wins, do you think they can take the division this year? Your face is. I think like me. 90 wins is probably their number. I don't know if that's, like, that's probably not going to be enough to be take the division, but I would be surprised if they're not in the wild card conversation there. Okay. Um, I just think the Dodgers <clears throat> still are just so deep. San Diego must think they're getting better. I don't know enough about baseball, but the fact that they <laughs> signed Machado means that they think something is there. The Giants, I, don't, I still don't think the Giants realize that they're in tank mode, and Arizona is in tank mode. Like, Arizona, Arizona yeah, gave they had up. a fire set. Yeah. They were at the same place as the Rockies, like, a couple months left in the season, and they just went other ways. And it's just so interesting to think about, like, what happens if the Rockies completely fall apart like Arizona? Like, did they, are they shipping everyone off? Like, are they figuring out a way to get rid of Blackman? Are they giving up on Arenado? And instead, they went the other way, like, two very similar teams that the Rockies know very well. And so I think that that is sort of, the Rockies are still on the upward trajectory, and they have to be good the next three years, because if they're not, Arenado will leave. Yeah, well, so Desmond has one more year on his awful contract. Yeah. So at least that'll free some money up. It would be great. I mean, I don't know a lot about Danny Murphy besides you saying that he's not the most savory character in the world. There um, have been several people that will be donating uh, money for every hit and run that he gets Two charity organizations that uh, help uh, support the LGBT community. So if you would like to get in on one of those pledges, uh, this would be the time. Really fight the 
homophobia that is Daniel Murphy and still root for The Rock. <laughs> That's beautiful. So now I can root for him fully in being a Rockies fan and being petty. Maybe we should come up with something that we're going to do. Right. Yeah, I'll do a push-up for every hit. Well, that doesn't serve the LGBTQ. It could. Community. It depends on how buff you're getting and exactly what you're doing with yeah, it. Yeah, you know, but, you're, you're you know. <laughs> But so we have hopes that we have a better first baseman. Um, okay. So neither of us are totally convinced, but the Rockies are trending upwards, which gives hope in the same way that at the beginning of the season, the Nuggets were trending upwards. If you believe in the Rockies guys as much as the Rockies believe in their guys, you should feel pretty good about this season. That's great because there's plenty of times the Rockies didn't believe in their team. So, yeah, so. Um, so we'll see. I'm very excited. Nolan's going to be hopefully a Rocky for life here. Oh, bless. Well, are you going to opening day? Yeah, I'm going to opening day. Well, God bless you, my friend. <laughs>